Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of the Advisor Tech Show. My name is Tess Lee, I am MD of Money Info and today I am totally delighted to be joined in real life by Chris Bajent-Reed who is founder and MD of Jigsaw Tree. Hello Chris, how are you doing? Hello, Tess, I'm very good. I'm it's very, very nice to be in the, in the booth together. The, I know, how exciting. <laughs> You're our first special guest. so yeah. Always good to be the first. First one Tess. live and in person in real life which is great. Um, so to kick us off tell us a little bit about you, how you come came to found Jigsaw Tree and your kind of, I guess, journey to where you are today. How many you've got? Well, I know some of it because obviously we go quite, we quite a way back, but just refresh our uh, our listeners on, on where you... Sure, no worries. So, so 28 years in financial services, uh, worked within the advice firm. Started at age five, like oh, me then. Absolutely. Yeah, great. And then thought, oh, technology sounds far more exciting than yeah. regulation and getting qualified. So I moved into the tech space and, and we got to know each other through first. We did. Uh, and then I sort of fell out of love of the corporate world and thought there is an opportunity in the market to help firms really embed the tech that they've got in their business. And, you know, we found that firms were quite, found it quite difficult um, to do that particularly well. And, and hence I stepped into consulting world in 2011 and then incorporated Jigsaw Tree in 2012. So we've now been going 11 years. Brilliant. And I know you work with lots of firms that we, we, are, we are working with as well, which is brilliant. So tell us a little bit about what Jigsaw Tree does and, and the value that you bring to the, the firms that you're working with. Yeah, so it's, it's really about helping firms with their technology from uh, selection, implementation, configuration, training. Uh, what we're seeing a lot of is firms that have tech that they probably haven't implemented particularly well. And therefore we do a sort of re-engagement with them to help them embed yep. the technology according to their sort of objectives and, and priorities. Uh, and then we also provide an outsourcing service to income reconciliation. Um, you know, that's an area where firms sometimes struggle uh, and therefore we can support them when we've got our own portal uh, and we've got some OCR capability in there in order to convert certain statements just to really help streamline that a little bit further. Brilliant. So really everything that you do is around digital transformation for firms. And I know, you know, you're for the firms that we're working with together now, you're pretty instrumental in getting them from, from A to B. How have you seen things change over the 28 years that you've been in this industry? What have you, what impact have you seen that the technologies are having on these businesses? I think, you know, if I go back to the days of first, you know, that the technology was really good for its time but what you didn't have was any controls in that tech so what we've seen as it's transitioned is greater controls greater awareness around the importance of data and data mm. cleansing and and I think you know if we touch on consumer duty you know firms are really keen to understand what data they can get from the solution in order to be able to evidence those four outcomes. Um, and therefore what we're seeing is more firms having greater interest in having better controls, better consistency um, in the data. And then of course with COVID, digital engagement became more important. Mm -hmm. um, we've always run a virtual business for 11 years and we've seen more and more firms move into that arena as technology allows that. And, and how well do you think firms are now because it's always been a challenge that we've seen for, for a long long time with firms adopting new technologies getting their data right you know we're still coming across firms where they needed to have a huge data cleansing exercise and nobody ever does it because nobody's ever really got the momentum or the reason to do it how do you feel firms are getting to grips with now particularly in like consumer duty where that data and that evidence is going to be so much more important how how 
Where do you think we are with that now? Because it's, it seems to me there are still quite a lot of challenges that firms have out there. And, and I think you're absolutely right. Um, I think some firms are better than others. I think if they've got consistent, robust processes, I mean, that's always something that mm. firms should have in place. Um, they are better placed because they capture the data at the right stage in the process. I also think that technology enables that better in terms of being able to get data out and understand where the yeah. data issues are and being able to re-import that data back in once it's been cleansed helps enormously in that process. But, you know, you're right in terms of your point. Data cleansing never quite seems to get to the top of that list because no. there are more important things to be done. Yeah, but we, I mean, that is a challenge that firms need to look at because, of course, the minute you want to put your data in front of your clients, it becomes a very different kettle of fish, doesn't it? And that's, yeah. you know, that's what we're seeing where you're adding value to those firms in, in getting them. They need to be get, almost got ready for this technology, don't they, in terms of how they, if they really want to digitally transform. Yeah, and I think there has to be a complete cultural shift in yeah. the business, um, particularly around you know how the advisors are engaging their clients with digital, um, and then how the clients you know can maximise the benefits. Because you know, looking at money info, there are so many tools that the end user can benefit from, and really having the advisors you know work through that with them just drives that engagement and being able to use different mediums for that is really important. And that's half the battle, isn't it? Is it's we find it's not it's not the clients that won't adopt technology. We used to hear it and I still do, my clients won't use that. They're all older, they don't use well they do actually. The barrier tends to be within the business and that's because of the background of where they've come from. I guess they've not got the best out of technology. They may be being stung by tech projects in the past that haven't gone so well. So we're on a bit of a mission, I guess, like you, to really get advisors engaged with the tech and to show them the value that it can bring to them. And I think that that's still a challenge. But I think we're seeing since COVID, probably when advisors suddenly went Zoom overnight, Teams overnight, e-signatures overnight, kind of showed people that adapting to new technology doesn't have to be really complicated. Yeah, and I I think you're absolutely right. And, And what, you know, I saw years ago was firms that invest, invested in that implementation programme were the ones that benefited. Mm. And, and therefore, you know, what we always say to firms is that if you're going to put investment anywhere, make sure you invest in preparing for any change of technology and making sure that you've got the right people to support you. And that's really important and that's evident in terms of the outcomes that they achieve. Yeah. And, and for us, it's also about giving advisors access to the things they need and they that are going to help them in their job and it's simple stuff we have you know we've got an app for advisors where they can access their client record they can see a summary of the valuations they can drill into the details they can see the correspondence that's gone out to that client the messaging they can they can send messages to their client and that's really what it's all about for us i mentioned this on a another video we did the other day we had an advisor at one of our meetups recently and while we were talking about the the mim app he got buzzed on his Apple Watch with a message from a client that was coming straight through the software. Yeah. He was like, oh, I can reply really quickly. And and every other advisor then in the room was like, where do we, where do we download this app? Like, I, need, I need one of those. So it's, it's those simple things, isn't it? You're going out to a client, just click a link to get a Google map to where you're going. You know, you've got everything at hand. And for the team in the back office, it's about 
reducing those, what's going on with Mrs Miggins, when, when did we last speak to her, what, what's her latest valuation? That's really valuable. I, I think you're right, and we are actually seeing a sea change with some of the advisors we're working are you? with now. Yeah, definitely. You know, they're getting really excited. You know, some of the firms that we're implementing Money Info for, you know, when, when are we going to have it? When's it going to be available? When are our clients going to get it? What are we going to see? Can we be included in the training? So there is this sea change and this enthusiasm that's coming through, and that's great to see mm. because... You're, you're right in terms of the advisor population can sometimes struggle with that for a number of reasons, but it, it's really getting them engaged that I think is the tipping point as mm. to how successful this can be. And I think that's where you really help us out because you bring that independent perspective. You've worked with loads of different technologies. You've kind of been there and seen it all, so you know you know how these things fit together. And to have somebody external that's saying... Okay, the, these are, this is how you're going to drive value here. This is what you're really going to get out of this. To get that buy-in is really, really valuable for us as well. So Yeah, and I think some of the things that you know, Money Info provide is brilliant. You know, when I look at the collateral, you know, so you've got a really nice branded brochure. You've got your FAQ document, which is great because we don't have to think about the questions that the clients would ask, as you know that. Yeah. And then the video on top, I mean, you know, Ollie doing the video and getting the scripts and choosing the voices and making amendments, that makes it really personal in terms of the journey that those practices are going to go on. Mm. And that's important. It's always been important for us that it's about making it yours, you know, whether what content you put out, what brand you put out, the devices you put it on, everything has to be really nice and flexible and configurable for the firm and I think that's I guess that's how tech's changed more now isn't it it's, it's the amount of configuration that you can do because you're never going to get a one-size-fits-all piece of technology that does everything you want to build your stack your ecosystem but you want to make it your own right yeah and I think sometimes the levels of configuration can be a double-edged sword mm. because you know, as you all undoubtedly have seen, when you add the ability to give that flexibility, some firms go way, way too far. Yeah. And, and therefore they tie themselves and their clients up in knots. And actually it's about getting that balance right so that they implement something that, you know, simplicity is the key that works really well in the practice. And then they can tweak and refine it once they've got it in place. And so when, when you go into a, a new firm that's, that's asked you to help them with bringing in a new technology, wh where do you start with that process? Where, where does it... So it, it can start all the way back to, you know, let's understand your requirements and let's go to the market and do an RFP programme. Mm -hmm. um, so, so we're in the middle of uh, a couple of those at the moment. Um, but, but I think, you know, there are the, the well-known tech players and, and then there are others that are coming into the market so you know it's just really saying you know what are the priorities of the business let's not overcomplicate it you know from where you may be to where you want to get to mm. because otherwise you're never going to be able to deliver what the firm want yeah um, so it is about keeping it simple and then it's about going through a refined process in terms of making sure that you know, firms are able to engage with the tech players and, and that they can find um, the things that are really going to make a difference to their business in order to drive it forward into the next iteration. Yeah, and you're right, it is iterative, isn't it? It's breaking it down into manageable chunks so that Definitely. you don't have, you don't want a 12 to 18 month tech project to get from here to your end game. You need to know what your kind of end game is, your longer term end game, but it's breaking it down into short deliverables so that you can see success.
all along the way, right? And that builds confidence then, doesn't it, in everybody that's working with that piece of tech? Yeah, and I think you're right in terms of having some clearly defined success measures to say, okay, so so what are the first set of success measures and really celebrating those. And I yeah. think sometimes in these tech projects, firms forget how far they've come. Yeah. And and that's really important too. Yeah, it's, it's almost too much about the tech tasks, isn't it? And not enough about what, what you're actually trying to achieve and the value that you're trying to drive or the efficiencies that you're trying to push through that business it's it's easy to focus on the tech and all the functions and all the bells and whistles when actually you've got some set things you want to achieve focus on those one at a time and get them out the door yeah and I, and I also think you know having people on the ground is really important so you know when we support firms in a technology transition we will always have floor walking mm. at go live and you know the levels of confidence that we see in terms of the end users is significant and we shouldn't underestimate how far those people can come with a few days of floor walking versus looking at you know, their laptop like they've never known which button to press. And that's part of that cultural change, isn't it? That's getting people to, to really see the value that the technology is bringing and get and it's that confidence it's a bit like financial advice isn't it we all want someone when we're when we're investing whatever sum of money it is to us it's probably significant for us whether it's twenty thousand or two million we want someone to give us that reassurance that peace of mind that yes that's the right decision go ahead and it's the same with technology role it's an advisory process isn't it that you're doing effectively you're saying this is this is what your plan is this is what you're going to achieve at the end of it and i'm here to 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 get you from from the start to the finish and give you the confidence to, to really get to grips with it. Well, definitely. And I also think, you know, once you've built that trust, that's when you can begin to push those boundaries mm -hmm. a bit further because you've got the proven track record in that business to say, look, we can deliver, we have delivered, and now we need to look at the next iteration and the next iteration as your business changes and as regulation changes, just work with them to make sure they can get those all important outcomes. And what, where do you think those boundaries are right now? What do you think are the kind of big challenges that all the things that are holding firms back right now? Do you have a view on that? I think, um, you know, certainly when we talk to firms about implementing technology, you know, the integrations mm. can really either drive efficiencies or hold businesses back because the integrations may not go far enough. And I think that's where, you know, technology's moved on, there's open API, um, and we should be getting better at this. Mm. You know, when we talk about, you know, provider integrations, um, they're still not really where they need to be. Mm. You know, I remember Rory doing something years ago where he had lots of pieces of paper around a room and said, this is the paper chain for doing a piece of new business. And in certain aspects, we haven't moved on. Yeah. But, you know, for other tech companies, it has moved on and been driven um, in terms of what it can deliver. And I think that is still a challenge. I agree. And I think we can, we can, as tech providers, we can all do more. I think the challenge we have is it's, the APIs are there, the data is generally available, some of the, the, the providers as opposed to platforms it can be more challenging with. But it's that it's that appetite to do something, isn't it? And we've all got our own roadmaps and our own agendas, but I think it's the people in technology that are going to make the difference here, not the tech itself, because we've got to, again, for all of us, it's a bit of a cultural shift as well, isn't it? We don't need to do everything. We've all got our place within this technology ecosystem and we need to get better at sharing that data in multiple directions i guess and that's something that we're we're striving towards but i agree we're, we're not there yet we've got some great integration tech, um, capability but 
we can certainly be doing more and watch this space. We've got some, some plans for that moving forward, but we need both ends of the chain to, to be, to have a real appetite for it. But I think, yeah. I think we're getting, you know, and you're seeing some of the, the newer innovative platforms getting more engaged with it and wanting to do more to, because we've had this term straight through processing in the industry for as long as you and I have been here and it's never been achieved really, has it? So um, I think there's more that we can do, but I think between us, we've cracked that advisor client communication. We've got that piece right. We just got to look at what we then do to connect ourselves with the other parts of their ecosystem, which is going to be interesting. Yeah, and I, you know, I I go back to working for somebody called Nick Bewley, who run a business called CCL, and he used to go around talking about the virtual network, and mm. this was in oh my goodness, nineteen ninety six, mm-hmm. um, and he brought tech together. So he had uh, scanning, compliance. There was first. There was. His solution CCR, which was front office ahead of his time, it, again, and 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 I think it's that collaboration piece that just needs to get better because mm. you know what the technologies do absolutely complement each other, and even if there are elements of crossover, it's down to the advice firm to decide where those things sit and which tech is better yes. to drive that change through their organisation. And I guess to understand that your source of truth isn't necessarily, and it never has been in one system in total has it you, you know whether you've got a, an all singing or dancing back office you've still got financial planning stuff over here in your cash flow planning modeling tool or, or stuff in your portal but as long as those pieces of technology can talk to each other and you can access the data that sits in that's your source of truth then isn't it your kind of technology stack is where yeah. everything sits we've just got to make sure that it's accessible and it can flow around the organization in the right ways and I, and I think this is what's been talked about for a long time isn't it the ecosystem yeah and and how the technology works in that ecosystem to yeah. make sure you've got fluidity in there yeah whereas currently it's not quite there it isn't and and I also see more firms wanting to use different types of technology in their business best of breed within the industry but also stuff from outside of the industry we have you know you'll know we have clients using calendar booking apps or um, project management stuff or their own content or video streaming or there's all sorts of stuff that forms part of that stack now and those tools that they can use within the business with the clients so I think the other message I give always is to look outside of your immediate financial services ecosystem because there's loads of great tools out there They've all got embed codes. They're all quite easy to integrate with. Um, and that can really add value to a firm as well. And that's where we can get it right because we're not hamstrung because they are very open and it's just there for you to connect into. Yeah, and I think you're right. And it is about that all-important engagement and making sure that that can happen on multiple devices, different levels, different forums to give people choice. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're coming towards the end of the, the time that we've got today. But one of the things I always like to ask guests is if you if you could give your younger self, we, we want to encourage younger people to come into the industry. We've got some great people joining the have joined the team here at Money Info recently. I know you, that, that you take on lots of people as well. Financial planners are coming through. So if you could give your younger self um, a piece of advice in terms of coming into this industry, what would that be? I think it would be be brave. Be confident. Um, I, I think, you know, certainly when I came into the sector, it was more male-dominated than Definitely. it is today. Um, and I think that's changing, and that's yeah. great. And and I think it's just about having confidence um, in what you're doing and how you're going about it. Good. 
Brilliant, Chris. And it's lovely to see two ladies on a, on a podcast today. We're dominating the podcast booth. Um, it's where, where it's all at. So look, how do our audience get in touch with you if they want to find out more about the brilliant things that, that Jigsaw Tria are doing? Where can they find you online? Yeah, they can find us at our website, www.jigsawtree.com, or we're on LinkedIn, we're on Twitter. Um, Yeah, they can find us in lots of different places, but we'd love to speak to anyone who has a problem with tech or wants to do something new, different, and drive that into the heart of their business. Brilliant. Thank you, Chris. Do get in touch with Chris if you want to find out more. They're doing some brilliant work um, with firms that we're working with and firms that we're not. Um, So get in touch if you want to find out more. So all that's left for me to say, because we're off for a nice lunch and a natter now, proper natter and a catch up, is thank you, Chris, so much for coming in today to record this with me. It's been great fun to have you here. And thank you to all of you out there watching and listening. And we'll see you on the next episode of The Advisor Show. Thank you.